Well, good morning, Orchard Hills. Good morning, Jay. I love how you're always excited to be here. Welcome again to everybody who's in the room today, um, some of the newcomers as well. Welcome to everyone who's watching online. Thank you guys for being with us and being a part of what the Lord's doing here through us. Um, my name is Sutton Wirt, and I have the, the privilege of getting to serve here as the pastor for community care. Um, and I'm excited to open the Word of God together this morning and see where He leads us. <clears throat> well, over the past months, we've been looking at the last part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, very end of the book. Um, and we've seen there, we've been looking at God's will for you. So Scott has walked us through and shown us how God's, God wants us to be people who are joyful, um, prayerful, and thankful. People who uh, cling to what is good and resist what is evil. People who do not quench the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's the only way we're even able to do those things anyway. And now, today, we're going <clears> to <throat> go back a little bit to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, and look at another passage that talks about God's will for you. So, uh, this is where we're going this morning. There's two big ideas here in this passage that we're going to look at. The first is sanctification, um, which Scott talked about a couple weeks ago. We're going to elaborate on a little more today. The second is sexuality. Um, so today we're going to talk about sanctification. Next week we're going to talk about sex. So get excited about that. Feel free to come back, or, or maybe, maybe you won't. Um, but today we're going to talk about sanctification. And this, this is the idea that I want you to, uh, to hear communicated loud and clear this morning. God wants you to be sanctified, but you cannot do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. That's what we're going to look at today. Well, let's dive in together. Um, we're going to be, again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Um, you're welcome to turn there in your Bibles. If you didn't bring one, we've got some in the seats in front of you. Uh, it's page 1170, and it'll also be on the screen behind me here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 8. Paul says this. He says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord Jesus, um, we love you. We have sung about uh, how holy you are, how good you are, and, and Lord, we want to be a people who are set apart and surrendered to you. So Lord, would you speak to us now? Lord, we bring our hearts before you. We want to be... Um, we want to be shaped and molded by your word. We want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand the word? Would you speak to us now? We have nothing unless you come. Lord, we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right. Well, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, as Maria told us. Um, Scott, so, sorry. First, Paul, not Scott, Paul begins by saying, finally, then, brothers. Sorry, you're not, you're not quite on that level, Scott. Um, <laughs> Paul begins by saying, finally, then, brothers. So now your Bible may have a little note that says, or brothers and sisters. And so the Greek word there is adelphoi. It, mean, it, it can mean brothers and it can mean sisters. And so Paul is essentially just saying, hey, siblings, hey, family. And so he's starting this, this piece, he's giving this charge, reminding the people that they are family um, in Christ. And so you'll remember that that's exactly what we talked about last week. Last week, um, Scott shared that no one is naturally born into God's family. Um, that because of our sin, we are all born into slavery to sin. We're really a part of Satan's family. Children of wrath is what Paul says in Ephesians. But in his kindness and his mercy, God made a way for you and I to be adopted and to become a part of his family. Through faith in Jesus and what Jesus did, you and I can become a part of the family of God. And Scott also shared that when that happens, our lives begin to look different because we're a part of a different family. So we start to, to take on the family traits and the family characteristics. We start to look like our father. We start to, to love the things that he loves and to, to, our heart breaks over the things that break his heart. We become more like him. And Scott said that it's not primarily something that we do, but it's, it's who we become. It's who God creates us to be. And I was thinking that really is a great picture of what sanctification is. When you're adopted into a new family, even though you belong to this new group of people, you still look like and act like your old family that you came from. And so even though your identity has been changed in a moment, the moment of your adoption or, or your birth or whatever it might be, it takes time for you to become like the family that you now belong to. Your identity has changed, but your heart and your actions take time to change. It's a process. It's a process. And that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about sanctification. So um, the word sanctify in Greek comes from the same root as the word holy. We've been singing that word a lot this morning. Um, and maybe when you hear holy, uh, you think of someone who's really like religious and boring and somber and serious. You know, maybe you kind of get the, the vision of the saints with like the halo um, behind their heads. And that's, that's a shame because that's really not what the word holy means at all. We've got a really bad vision of that. Holy just means set apart or different. Set apart or different. And so sanctify just means to make something set apart or different. And sanctification then is the process by which we become set apart, different from the world, and like our Heavenly Father, like this new family that we belong to. And so essentially, sanctification is leaving behind our old family and learning to live in this new family that we've been adopted into. And here, Paul's saying, God's will for you, his desire for you, what he wants is that you be sanctified, that more and more your life would look different from the rest of the world and like Jesus. So 
If you ever wonder why church is so hard and messy and all these people have problems, it's because we're all just a bunch of adopted kids trying to figure out how to live in this new family. So that makes a little sense to me. Um, so looking back at, at verse 1, <clears throat> Paul, as a brother, is entreating his spiritual siblings here at Thessalonica, and he's saying, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. And so he's saying, okay, you've been adopted. You're a part of this family now. Now, it doesn't stop there, but you're on this lifelong journey of learning to live in a way that pleases God. That pleases God. Did you know that the, the actions that you take, the things that you do with your life can please God? We sang about that too this morning. I think when we hear a life that's pleasing to God, it, it can do a couple things in us. And here's, here's a couple ways that I think we tend to get this wrong. On the one hand, we can act like illegitimate children. Um, and maybe we think that there's no way that our life could make God happy. Maybe we think that we're so messed up and broken and uh, yeah, that our life is just so messy that God could never be pleased with us. And maybe we think, yeah, you know, I know God has adopted me, but I'm sure he's not happy with me. He probably doesn't like me. He's probably just up there tolerating me and waiting for me to mess up and rolling his eyes and constantly being disappointed with me. We can tend to act that way. But on the other hand, some of us can act like entitled children. And maybe we think that once we've been adopted, there's no need for us to be sanctified. And maybe we think, man, I'm good. God saved me. Jesus forgave me. He paid for my sin. I'm good. There is nothing that I need to do. My life can just be a mess, and it's fine. And that's not it either. Neither of those is the Bible's vision of what should happen after we're adopted. Now, as a parent... Um, whether you have or adopt a child, when that child becomes yours, there is nothing that they could do um, that would call into question your love for them. You have completely committed yourself to them. They are yours. They belong to you. They have your love, your affection, your attention. They have your name. You are completely committed to them. And that's what happens when we're brought into God's family. But then, once you have or adopt a child, though nothing can break your, <clears throat> your union with them, the fact that they belong to you, all kinds of things can, can disrupt your communion with them. They can do any other number of things that, that make you happy or sad, that make you frustrated or disappointed. <sighs> Don't I know? I got three girls. It's going to be a wild ride. Y'all can pray for me. Um, but that... Two is how it is with God. So once you're his, you have his love, you have his affection, you have his devotion. You're not an illegitimate child. He loves you. He loves you. He chose you. He wants you. You're his. You belong to him. Nothing's going to shake that. You're not an illegitimate child. He won't give up on you and he won't forsake you. But once you're his, you have the opportunity to live your life in a way that pleases him more and more. That's what Paul's saying here. 
And here, too, is a place where I think many of us get messed up. For a lot of us, when we hear that, we're like, okay, I can live in a way that makes God happy, so I'm going to try my darndest, and I'm going to try really hard to do all these things that please him, and I'm going to get after it and go after it and make him happy. And so off we go, trying to follow him in our own strength, trying to please him with our own human effort. And I don't know about you, but I've tried it time and again, and I keep failing. I keep messing up. I'd like to share briefly about what brought me to this sermon today. Um, if you know me, this is kind of my attitude that I tend to default towards in my relationship with God. I am, I'm tempted to performance. I'm tempted to earn his love. I'm tempted to work my butt off to try to earn my keep, to prove that, hey, I'm a legitimate child, but that's not the way it works. And so um, we write our sermons on Thursday morning, usually. The, the process we go through is a group process, and so we write them um, on Thursday mornings after we've had some meetings. And so I came to writing the sermon this week. And uh, I, like that night before, I couldn't really sleep because my throat hurt so bad. Um, so I got up and went to the doctor in the morning. I had strep throat. And I just had the flu like a few weeks ago. So I just keep getting sick. And I'm like, man, this is the day. Like, I don't know what to do. This is the day that I have to write this. And John needs it to put it in the thing. And like, all of this performance kind of anxiety starts attacking me. And so I, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not well, but I come into the office because I'm going to write the sermon. I'm going to be a good boy, do what I'm supposed to do. And so I come in here, I write most of a sermon. It's terrible. Um, and I just don't feel any peace about it. And my wife comes in to pick Annie up from preschool, and she's like, you've got to go home, please please sleep. And so I go home, I sleep, I sleep a lot, I sleep some more, wake up feeling better. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm feeling pretty good Friday morning. Now I'm going to write the sermon. So I come into the office, spend hours on it, write a sermon. It's not right. It's not good. It doesn't feel like the right thing. You know, I was just trying in my own strength. And so I just want you to know that like the, we're all a mess. And we're all broken, and we're all trying to figure out how to fit into this family. Um, but it, it's not going to happen through our own strength. And you're not going to be able to follow Jesus in your own strength. You're not going to be able to perform for your Heavenly Father. You're not going to do something, and He's like, wow, I've never seen that before. Great job. You can't do it. You can't do it. But there is one who can, and his name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the perfect son who fully pleases the Father. In Matthew 3, 17, the Father said this after Jesus was baptized. He said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is the perfect son perfectly sinless, perfectly obedient, perfectly holy. 
Jesus did everything that you are called to do and have failed to do, and he did it just right. Every place that you have failed and fallen and stumbled, Jesus has endured and stood and remained and, and, and stood the test. Friends, he alone is the true son in this family. But now, as you and I have been adopted to be a part of this family, he has not only saved us, but he has committed himself to sanctifying us. He has not only covered our sin, but he has committed himself to ridding you of your sin. And so, friends, the key to living the Christian life is this, not trying harder in your own strength, but you have to get out of the way and let Jesus live his life through you. That's what we're talking about when we sing things like re-surrender. You've got to get out of the way and let him live his life through you over and over again. <clears throat> Notice Paul doesn't just say, we ask and urge you to do these things. He says, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. He says, you know the commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the only way that you can do anything that pleases God. But in him, you're fully pleasing to God. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son. By faith in the Son. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So church, this is what I think the Lord wants us to hear today loud and clear. That it is possible for you to be sanctified and set apart. It's possible for your life to change, for you to look different. But it is not possible in your own strength. It is not possible through your own effort. God wants you to be sanctified and set apart, but you cannot sanctify yourself. You can't sanctify yourself by cleaning up the exterior. That's what we try to do. We put on a Christian t-shirt, put the Christian bumper sticker on our car, maybe even get a Christian tattoo. Now we're real serious. Maybe we post on Instagram. Had a nice quiet time this morning. Here's a cute little verse for you. It's easy to do the external things. It's much, much harder to let the Lord do the heart things. You can fake the external things, but you can't fake the heart things. And that's what we're talking about. That's what sanctification is. It's you just letting God work on your heart, letting him transform you from the inside out. You can't do it, but you can let him do it. You can surrender to him. And so our work then, the work that we're called to is to constantly bring our lives before Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I don't have it figured out. Look at all this mess in my heart. Look at this anger. Look at this impatience. Look at this lust. Look at this frustration. I can't fix this. Would you do it? 
by your Holy Spirit, would you renew my mind? By your word, would you change my heart? By your people, would you make me someone different? Would you sanctify me and set me apart? He's promised to do it. He's promised to do it, if we'll only let him. One last thing. Um, Not only do we need the help of our elder brother, Jesus, because he does, it's cool, in Hebrews 2, 11, um, it says that he calls us his brother and sisters. Um, It even says that he's not ashamed to call us his brother and his sisters, which is pretty awesome. Um, But not only do we need his help, but we need the help of each other. We need the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We together are the body of Christ. And so all of us together are a primary tool that God uses in sanctifying us, that God uses in setting us apart and in making us different. We're all learning to be a part of the family. Some of us are a little bit further along than others. Um, And so we need each other to become more like Jesus. And the Lord knows this. That's why he's uh, got me working for Scott McLucas over here. <laughs> Man, Scott and I's relationship is one of the most sanctifying relationships in my life. I thought that was good. I thought you guys were going to laugh. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm serious, but I'm saying it nicely. Um, I thought that I had a lot of patience. <laughs> <laughs> But Scott just has this way of, like, poking the bear, you know? And I'm like, I'm good, I'm calm, I'm composed, I'm slow to anger. And, and Scott just, you know, dropped this comment or say something. And then I'm getting all frustrated and worked up, and people are like, oh, man, something's worked up today. And, you know, and then I peek around the corner, and Scott's just grinning. And just got that, that smug smile on his face. <laughs> Oh, man. Y'all, we need each other. We are primary tools that the Lord uses to sanctify each other. And even beyond, you know, beyond the relationships that that happen within the context of church or maybe your work, um, part of why we emphasize things like life groups so much is that we believe that you're not going to experience this unless you're getting vulnerable with people, unless you're letting down your guard, allowing people to see who you really are, allowing people to see that mess in your heart that still needs working on. But when you do, you experience Jesus through his people, and you experience his grace and his mercy, and other people have words of encouragement for you and words of challenge and conviction for you. Y'all, we grow together. You are called to be sanctified. The Lord wants you to be sanctified, but you cannot do it alone. You need Jesus, and you need his people. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, then the invitation to you is twofold. First, would you stop trying so hard to fit into the family in your own strength, and would you instead let Jesus change you from the inside out? Y'all, I am preaching to myself because I struggle to let my guard down. I struggle to be vulnerable with other people. But we got to do it if we want Jesus to change us from the inside out.
So would you let him do it? And then second, would you allow other people into your life? It's messy, but we're all struggling. We all look pretty good here this morning, you know? Just looking at us, you wouldn't think we've got a lot of problems. But we do. We're broken, broken people. And this place isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Would you let your guard down? And then two, if you're here, if you're here today and, and you're not a Jesus follower, then we would love to invite you into a different kind of a family. A family where you don't have to earn your keep. A family where you're accepted before you get your life cleaned up. A family where God says, oh, you're a mess? That's perfect. You're exactly the kind of person I came to save. I came to save not people who think they have it all together, but people who know that they don't. People who know that they're broken and are willing to let me change them from the inside out. Church, God's will for you today is your sanctification. It's not something you can do on your own, but it's something he wants to do in you. Will you let him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I confess just my own inability to, um, to, to know how to follow you sometimes. Um, yeah, for all the ways that I uh, just try to keep it all together in my own strength, for the ways that I try to do what is only possible through the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit living inside of me. Lord, I ask forgiveness. I don't want to live this life on my own. And Lord, I pray for every person here, every person who might be uh, struggling to be vulnerable, not wanting to ask for help from you or help from others. Lord, would you let them know it's okay to not be okay. You said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And so we can either pretend to be healthy or we can admit that we're sick and let you really heal us from the inside out. Oh, Lord, make us whole. Make us holy. Jesus, do your work in us. We need you. We're yours. I love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.